Oh, it's a candle on a thousand hills. Well, I can give you one. How many? listen to the old cassette player. Remember the old cassette player, anybody? Cassette player? Yeah. Uh, and then um, we had a cassette, a Sony cassette player. You put the jack into your cigarette lighter. Yeah. Remember those kind? Yeah. And you play it, and it's so much fun. It's nice. But uh, now we're smart. We have modern things. Easier. How are you feeling? I'm good. Oh. Full of dim sum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I... I, I I have a I have a bad attitude because the visual makes me not want to eat something. Dim sum I can't eat that because it looks like looks like jellyfish. It looks like it's too translucent, it's too pale. It doesn't have the, the sauteed looking, you know. It's not got grill marks on it, so I have a hard time with that. Uh, and I'm Chinese. Pandas <laughs> so, I can do, but not not real Chinese. Of course. I know, dim sum is, uh, <laughs> I don't know, some people love well, it. There's some other dim sum that's... Uh, well, let's not talk about that now. No. <laughs> <laughs> the word is offense. The word is offended. You know, the word is the lesson for today because I'm continuing what I started back in January. Part, part two, part one was about uh, principles that protect us. So I didn't finish it because... It happens like that a lot at 9.30. I have a lot of things to try to cover, but I only covered maybe like a third of it. So I covered a third of that lesson back in January 24th. And so I want to finish that today, or at least try to finish it today. The word is offense. Offend. Uh, a man was at Starbucks ordering some uh, latte, chai, or chai latte, however you call it, at Starbucks for his wife. He goes up to the lady. She says, I'd like to get uh, uh, for me this, and then for my wife, uh, I'll say latte, chai latte, yeah. chai latte, my wife's drink, <laughs> and the woman looks at her and she says this to him, you mean your partner, excuse me, you mean you want a chai latte for your partner, and the man says, oh no, no, my wife, this is my wife, my wife's over here, my wife, 
She said, you mean your partner? He said, no, my wife. She says, you know, that offends me that you call her your wife. And of course, the whole problem with that scenario is, who are you to say to this man that his wife is your partner? Now, she could be his partner, but he is married to her. That's his wife. So the word is offense. She was offended. Let me talk to you about that from the Bible today, about being offended. There's a wrong kind of offense, and there's a right kind of offense. There's some things that we do and say that offend people, and we shouldn't do it. And there are some things that we do and say toward people, and sometimes it's offensive, but it's for the right reasons. So there's two things I want to tell you today, okay? The word is offense, being offended. Uh, do you know that sometimes you should watch what you say because it offends people? And do you know that you should sometimes watch what you do because sometimes it offends people? And did you know that sometimes it's okay when someone is offended? It just depends on what it is. So you understand where I'm going to? You understand this, how it works out? Now, we live in a time in which people are offended about every little thing. This wolf thing has caused a lot of trouble, even causing people to suffer in the wintertime on the mainland and other countries because of the root of offending some other people. So let's talk about what the Bible says about being offended, and I hope you won't be offended. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for letting us be in church this morning. We pray for your help, and I pray that the lesson be not only encouraging and helpful, but also we learn something from the Bible, and then we remember that the Bible is not an old-fashioned book that does not apply to us today because though it is an old-fashioned book, it applies to us today because it is a spiritual book. It's the Bible. And we never run out of things uh, in this lifetime that can be applied or seen in the Bible. So, Lord, help us today to be better people. And for thus, those who are saved, help us to be better Christians because of what the Bible teaches us. May we have an open heart to learn, to listen, and to practice what you say. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. That offends me. Oh. We call that thin skin. We call that thin skin. While that is true, we should be careful not to offend people unnecessarily. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at the verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, this, this is Bible study time, so we look at the Bible verses. Verse number eight says, but meat, meat, meat is defined as regular meat, meat, or it could be meaning food. Food, meat, meat, as in literal meat, steak, things like that, same thing. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat uh, are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worst. Let's look at that verse as we casually look at that past by, what does it say about food, about meat? But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better. Number two, if we eat not, are we the worse? What is the verse saying? Now it's really good that I teach you what the Bible says, but it's also good that you learn yourself what it says. So what is your first impression about that verse, verse number eight? Look at the words, and this is how you discern or interpret the Bible. Meat, food, commendeth us not to God. It doesn't bring us closer to God. It doesn't make us spiritual. Number one, for neither, if we eat, number one, if we eat, are we the better? Or number two, if we eat not, are we the worse? What is it saying? What is it teaching about food, meat, things like that? Well, you have to look at the words again, and you have to do some thinking. What does it say? Okay, let me ask you some questions, since you're shy people. Number one, if you eat meat, does that make you closer to God if you eat meat? Number two, if you don't eat meat, does it make you farther from God if you don't eat meat? Let me, let me clarify. If you eat certain kinds of food, does it make you more holy? Number two, if you don't eat certain food that's supposed to make you holy, does it make you less holy? The answer is yes or no? no? Both answers. What you eat does not make you more spiritual. What you don't eat doesn't take you farther from God. Let's be practical. Um, I used to like rainbow driving in, in Kapuhulu a lot when, uh, when it was good. 
things have changed. Recipes have changed, I think. But uh, the mac salad back then, I once was so into it, I asked one of the people, hey, how do you make this? I want to make it at home. You know what the secret is of um, the mac salad for Rainbow Drive-In? Do you know what it is, the secret? Would you like to know what they put into it that makes it so, hmm. Now, I'm not saying I like it now, but I'm just saying I found out. You know what it is, Mr. Cook, Francis? You know what it is that makes the macaroni side so different and so good? Not cheese, not cheese. MSG. The guy said, Ajinomoto. I said, no kidding. Yeah, we put Ajinomoto. That's what makes it different. Now, the really best macaroni stuff you want to know is down by the airport, MS Barbecue. You ever try that? They miss barbecue. Do they have tuna in it, Miranda? Yeah. It's really good. It's not really creamy, but it's good. Good flavor. You can eat a lot of that and get sick after it, but you enjoy it getting sick. But uh, what was I saying all this for? Oh, if you, if I told you, okay, the Baba tells you, even though you don't have any um, scripture for it, but I said the, 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 the thing what you got to do is Baptist is that you need to eat a lot of macaroni salad from a certain place. Nimitz Barbecue. And if you do that, God will find favor with you. You'll be closer to God. All your prayers can be answered if you eat Max Salad from, or if you get a plain lunch, meat, jun, barbecue beef, uh, kimchi, and whatever else they have. Uh, if you get the, bar the mixed plate, uh, the plate lunch, you'll be closer to God. Now, if I told you that and I convinced you to do that, it would not make you closer to God. And if you ate something, if you ate something that was bad for your health, and if I told you, uh, if you eat this, if you eat Oscar hot dogs, you're gonna be, you're gonna be far from God. That's not true in both counts, and that's what he's saying here in verse number eight. Whatever you eat does not make you closer to God or makes you farther from God. Sometimes Roman Catholics say, don't eat meat on Friday, or fish on Friday. Why? Eat fish instead. Why? It's tradition. Doesn't make you more spiritual, less spiritual. Eat what you want to eat as long as you maybe cook it. I don't know how you folks can eat sashimi. I really don't know how you do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how you guys can look at that and say, oh man, this is better. I don't know how you can, um, you know, so it, it's all, it doesn't make it spiritual. Doing something material does not make it spiritual. Okay? Now watch this, verse number nine. But take heed, lest by any means, he says, be careful, watch it, verse nine. Take heed that by any means, this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Now the issue here is about eating meat, literal food offered to idols in this chapter. So some, some people who are young Christians in this chapter, they used to offer meat, food, something to an idol that they used to worship before they got saved. Now that they're saved, they're very conscientious about being right with the Lord and so on, which is a good thing, of course. And so they no longer offer food to idols. Now, the food that's offered to idols doesn't stay there all week. It is given as an offering and it's taken away and it's sold in the marketplace. So let's say it was uh, pork chops. Pork chops offered to an idol. Okay, time of worship, sacrifice is done. They take that and they take the marketplace to sell the pork chop. So this guy would not buy the pork chop or the hamburger or whatever it is because it was offered to an idol. Here comes another Christian. He's been saved for five years. This guy's been saved for two months. And so he says, Mark Bless, okay, what's the best price? Okay, this pork chop is $1.99 pound. Don't you wish that was true? $1.99 pound. And he says, okay, this one here is $2.50 a pound. This one's here, $1.85. This one here is, you know. And so what, what is he going to pick? What is he looking for? He's looking for the best price. That's what looking for. His wife said, go and get me some pork chops. A Jew says, go and get me some pork chops. No, 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 no. But, uh, they were Gentiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he goes and gets pork chop. But he's looking for the best price. And he might even ask the question, where does pork chop come from? Or where does meat come from? Where does sirloin steak come from? Oh, it came from the temple that was offered. Uh, he, says, he says, oh, oh, no, I can't buy that. He's offended. Here comes another Christian, much older Christian, He's looking for the best price, just like the other guy was. But he he says, "Oh, how much is this? Dollar seventy-five a pound? Oh, give me ten pounds." He's thinking about price. He's thinking about that's all. And so he buys that, takes it home. This guy sees him. He's offended. Now let's say this same guy, uh, week later, 
he comes to this guy's house for invitation to have a, bar, a, a dinner, and he has he has meat offered to an idol in the temple, and he he sees it. He says, "Oh, that smells so good. Where'd you get that? I got it in the marketplace. Really? Where did the meat come from? Oh, they told me it's from the temple. That was." He says, "Oh no, I can't eat that." So he is offended because of that issue here. And this guy who is a more mature Christian who is offering meat at this meal, and he, he maybe he didn't know, but maybe he realizes, okay, this he does it anyway. He says, don't do that. He said, don't offend your brother who's got a, he's weaker. He's less mature than you. Don't offer him something that you know will offend him. So the word offense is, is a practical word. And so in this chapter, don't, don't, don't do something that will offend somebody if you know that. <laughs> so it's not that the more mature Christian is just thinking about Christ and not about his relationship with God. It's that he realizes that his relationship with God doesn't make any difference or the meat doesn't make any difference to his relationship with God even though it was offered to an idol. The more mature Christian thinks that. So it's not that he's disregarding his relationship to God and just going by price. Oh, that's the cheapest, I'll get it. But that he knows that his, um, his walk with God is not affected at all by buying the meat that was offered to idols. Mm -hmm. The only thing he's got to watch for is offending his brother who, who, is, uh, who doesn't realize. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. But he is looking at my price because he's Chinese. <laughs> That's all he's thinking about. Uh, no, he's just looking. Yeah, he's not thinking about that. He's just, you know. But now, when we come to when we come to the dinner table, he says, "If you know that this guy is going to be hurt, he's going to be hurt because you're doing something because he's a younger Christian. He doesn't know yet that um, it's just food to eat. Cook it, prepare it right, pray over it. The word of God by prayer sanctifies the food that you eat, and so." That's Carlton's philosophy. Carlton prays over anything that he eats. He says that it's sanctified by prayer, therefore it's good to eat. That's his philosophy. That could be the philosophy of a lot of people too. But um, the, 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 the thing here about offending people, causing it to be a stumbling block to them that are weak, the two factors, number one, there's a more, a younger Christian, more immature Christian, one is not so grounded yet, and he is hurt by something that sincerely offends him. The older Christian, the more mature Christian, has to have courtesy for his feelings and not do something it's not wrong to do something that he wants to do but it could hurt his feelings and offend him so he doesn't do that for his sake okay so you don't do something just because you can liberty but because he may offend somebody you say well i'll i'll not cook that i'll cook something else instead because the fellowship is what we're after we don't have to debate or argument so i know that he is offended by this right now and so let's make this instead kind of thing. So the principle is don't be a stumbling block. Don't cause someone who is less mature to be offended by something that is not really wrong. Now, about the idols, let me just tell you that idols in the Old Testament are forbidden. And in the Old Testament law, uh, idols are nothing in the world, according to verses 1 through 4 of this chapter. But in Exodus, you don't even mention idols. Did you know that? You don't even mention idols. Did you know that? Let's go see if I'm telling the truth. Go to Exodus chapter 20. And we'll come back to this chapter. Exodus chapter 20. Sometimes when you try to cover a subject, it takes to many other subjects because that's what the Bible does. Exodus 20. And verse number 1. When it comes to idolatry, idols... Paul says it's nothing. The construction of the, the, the idol out of wood or stone or other kind of substance, it's really nothing. It's the work of men's hands. Uh, it could be representative of an idol or false god, but the structure, the thing, the artworks, whatever itself, the painting, the picture, whatever it is, itself is nothing. But Exodus 20, verse number 3 says this. Uh, verse number 1, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods. You have a small g there. Thou shalt have no other gods. No other gods. Nothing to replace the true capital G-O-D. 
And a lot of times, the Hebrew people in this history would often abandon the true G-O-D G-O-D for smaller G-O-Ds. And so they would substitute the real God for false gods, something that they can see and touch. And so that's the first statement about that. But then in chapter 20, verse number 13, come back over here, 13. That's not what I wanted. I wanted um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Chapter 6 of Deuteronomy. And come to verse number 12. Then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt in the house of bondage. Verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Verse 14, ye shall not go after other gods or the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in uh, Massa. Now, you see here these verses, God, number one, God takes very seriously idolatry. God's very serious about his people not worshiping other gods, replacing him. It offends God that his people began to turn to other gods. So he was, God was offended, if you want to understand it like that. And then in chapter 11 of Deuteronomy, well, let's look at this one. Chapter 11 of Deuteronomy. And come down to verse number 16. 614 tells us, do not go after other gods or the gods of the people. Uh, the idea is that associating with the heathen in the land of Canaan uh, would cause the Hebrew people who knew better to get curious about these false gods, ask questions about it. And of course, the idolaters would then be glad to talk about their false gods. And then young, young people, kids, and so on, even young adults, would get uh, kind of a, oh wow, that's pretty, oh, I, our God, we can't see our God, you can see your God, oh yeah, this is, oh wow, yeah, that's nice, yeah, and so on. And they get kind of interested. Now look at verse number 16, 11, 16. Take heed to yourselves that your heart, your heart be not deceived. Deceived by what? Deceived by what appears to be a very beautiful God. Um, sometimes people are attracted to art or music or something that is very appealing to them. And we get awed by how something is made. And then we begin to get kind of really too close to it. Watch verse 16 again. And ye turn aside. So because their heart was deceived, the Hebrew, the believer in the true God, turned aside. Is it possible for people believing God to turn aside to false gods? Yes. Now it says in verse 16 again, number one, get deceived. Number two, you turn aside. And number three, you serve other gods. And number four, you worship them. And so you see the progression here. And so this is why God said to the Hebrew people, teach your kids who I am. You folks remember who I am. Teach your kids and your kids' kids about who I am. He doesn't want people to worship him and then turn to other false gods. He says, that insults me, that offends me. So the word offense is a good thing to think about because there's some things that offend and some things that uh, we should be careful about in offending other people and offending God. So idolatry, we know about that. It's just not something you want to do as a Christian because it doesn't answer your prayers. Now write down this verse in your head. <laughs> How can you do that? Uh, Psalm 115. Uh, let's take a look at this one. Psalm 115 in connection to the idolatry. And I'm not spending much time about this because you already know that idolatry is just something you don't do as a Christian and it doesn't do anything for you really. Psalm 115. Verse number one. This is a classic chapter about idolatry. If you ever wanted to see what God thought about idols, go to this chapter. Right? Verse number one. 115, verse number one. 
Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. For thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Verse 2. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? We can't see him, you Hebrews. We can't see him. We see you guys worshiping and offering uh, sacrifice in the tabernacle, but we can't see your God. Verse 3. But our God is somewhere. Where is he? But our God is in the heavens. So here's the ironic irony. The idol worshippers, their God is right there with them. On earth, they can see their God on a shelf. You can't see the Hebrew God. You can't see the Christian God because our God's in the heavens. Well, by that alone, God's in the heavens and their God's on earth. Which one is superior? <laughs> Which one is the one you should pray to? Which one should you worship? The one you can see that you made with your own hands? Well, then, let's go on. Verse number three. Our God's in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Verse 4, their idols, their idols are silver and gold, is shiny, the work of men's hands. There's the problem. The shiny idols that people make is very attractive, but they are the work of men's hands. So logically, you make something with your hands, and now you're praying to this thing that's made with your hands? How, how is it possible, logically, an intelligent person? Making something and then bowing to it and praying for it to it for help. There's the logic. Okay, verse number four. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Verse five. They have mouths. Okay, the idol looks like it's got a mouth, the shape of a mouth. Looks like a man's head, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. Verse 6, they have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. And it gets even worse. Verse 7, they have hands, they have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Now, what you understand from these scriptures is that you have an idol. have an idol and it sits here on this big seat and it has the appearance of a human Sitting here like this. Uh, when one of the trips to Nate went to another town, I forget where, but we went into this grotto. It was full of carvings, small carvings, big carvings. This one was big. The, the, the feet was bigger than, the toe was bigger than the piano. It was a huge one. And they had, you're sitting like this, but the ears, the ears were like that, very elongated. The idea, I think, was it has long, big ears to hear you when you pray to it. That's the idea. It has hands, big hands, big feet. And I'm going to say people came and, you know, and then people bowed onto this. And then in Hong Kong, there's another big image somewhere on the mountain that was huge, a huge one. It's so big, you can see it for miles. And people come there from all over and they do it. Now, the idea is that this representation of a, a man has eyes, has ears, has a mouth, has hands, has feet, has a nose, but it does not respond. Because it's made by man. The psalm writer is saying in 115, how could someone actually pray to this huge thing that has ears? Please help me. My daughter has malaria. Uh, oh, and whatever the problem should be. And please, 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 please. And they actually leave sincerely thinking that they'll get some response from this thing when it's made by man's hands. So he says, our God's in the heavens. So the lesson from Psalm 115 in connection to Food offered to idols, and idol is nothing. It has no life in it. No life in the idol. Why would someone sincerely pray to a statue or an image? Don't pray to the God who's in the heavens. 
You know what Psalm 121 says? Look at Psalm 121. We're not very far from it. Psalm 121. I want you to see this verse as I read it. I want you to see clearly what it says. Okay, so look at the verse, please. I'll read it, and you listen and watch. Look at your Bible as I read the verse. Psalm 121. Okay, ready? I will lift up my eyes unto the idol. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the idol, which was made by man's hands. Is that what it says? Let me read that again. Uh, I will lift up my eyes unto the idol, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the idol, which was made by man's hands. Is that what it says? No, no. It says what it says. You lift up your eyes unto the hills, your help comes from there, my help cometh from the Lord. Okay? It doesn't come from the hills, it comes from someone beyond the hills, someone who's in the heavens. Alright, so come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. So the principle of not being a stumbling block to those who are weaker, less mature, be cautious about that, don't offend them unnecessarily. So don't offend, don't offend. And along that line, don't offend God too, by turning to other idols. Um, I saw in Waikiki two days ago a tourist. Who else had been in Waikiki besides tourists, right? Good to see tourists around in Waikiki. This tourist was a guy on Kuhil Avenue, Kuhil and uh, Nohanani Street or something like that. This guy got my attention because he was dressed in uh, North Carolina blue. North Carolina, he, was a, he was a basketball jersey, jersey and shorts and shoes. You know what the back of the shirt said? Carolina Blue, the back of his shirt said Jordan, and Jordan's number. This guy's walking around, spent all this good money to wear the jersey and the shorts of a basketball outfit for his favorite player, Michael Jordan. Well, maybe he's just a fan. That's a fan, to walk around to be identified as Michael Jordan. Hey, look, that guy likes Michael Jordan. Hey, look, that guy's Michael Jordan. No, no, that guy's a fan of Michael Jordan. It's very close to worship. <laughs> if you think about it, very close to worship. And I'm not saying that he was worshiping Jordan, but I'm saying it's pretty close. He's not afraid to identify himself with Michael Jordan. Well, we should not be afraid to identify ourselves with Jesus Christ. And yet we're so sometimes hesitant to even identify ourselves as, as a Christian. What do you go to church? What? <laughs> and then when you have something to eat usually Christians pray you know before they eat uh, it could be a short simple prayer some people go to extremes some people when they bottom pray they pray for five minutes that's not really good you know food gets cold I don't like when food is cold <laughs> and so a short prayer for your food is what you need to do Lord thank you for this food about to eat we pray that you would nourish our bodies to it something like that you know no, no, not be formal but then you acknowledge God when you pray for your food and some people they pray Pray for the food to do this. And then start eating. Well, they didn't pray out loud, but they were kind of ashamed to bow their heads to pray, acknowledge God, thank God for the food, and so on. And so they kind of just um, do, you know, like they chew. You know? <laughs> they, they're kind of um, not identifying themselves with, I believe, the God who gave me the money to buy the restaurant food, da 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 da. Whereas this guy can walk around the Michael Jordan outfit and not be ashamed of anybody what they say. He knows that there's people who don't like Michael Jordan, but he don't care. Isn't that odd? I mean, Detroit Pistons don't like Michael Jordan. He doesn't care. I mean, they had fights, the Pistons and the Chicago Bulls. He knows that. He doesn't care. He's just going to identify himself with the man. The man. And then, of course, there's another man that people identify with, Tom Brady. Did you know I saw that somebody was selling the sand when Tom Brady this time announced his retirement for the second time? Wherever he was standing, he was standing on sand, I suppose. One guy put on eBay selling the sand that Mike, uh, that Tom Brady stood on. Sand. Here is so much the guy was selling on eBay. The sand in which my idol stood, Tom Brady, for $100,000 on eBay. Are you crazy? 
That's idolatry. <laughs> Someone's going to buy it. Put it in a case, on a, put it on the fireplace to say, that's the sand that Tom Brady stood on when he retired the second time. <laughs> are you, yes, people are serious about that. That's idolatry. And yet, we who are saved, we know the true God, we should not be ashamed to identify Jesus Christ. Right. Wear the jersey. Wear the jersey. The Lord doesn't have one, but you know what I'm talking about. All right, so um, these are examples about offending, but then you don't offend people if you know it's going to hurt their feelings. Let's get real practical. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Verse 21. Begin with verse number 17. Verse number 17. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. If you're saved, you're in God's spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is not, is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Verse 18, For he that is in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Verse 19, Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. That would be a key word as we look at some other verses. Verse 20, For meat destroyeth not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Verse 21. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything where, whereby thy brother stumbleth. Verse 21 again. It is good neither to eat flesh, 1 Corinthians 8, and, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. So there are some things that are not wrong to do, the type of food that you eat. Just don't do it if you know it's going to offend some weaker brother for whatever the reasons are. You have the grace and the strength and the maturity to say, you know, I can I can do without this my favorite food now. It's we're here for this person's sake, we help da da. And so you, you defer what you should do or want to do because it's not wrong, but it's wrong to do something knowing that you're going to offend somebody. Um, I hope that makes sense to you. That's what he's talking about. Now, something else here. Consider the feelings of others. Sometimes people say, well, I don't care what people think. I am what I am. I'm Popeye. I am what I am. And he just does what he does. Some Christians who are more mature, uh, they know a lot of truth, they know a lot of Bible, and they have no consideration for the weaker brother who doesn't know as much as they know. And so when this younger Christian does something a little bit immature, and this person in his knowledge about a lot of things, in his maturity, he has a tendency to just be harsh toward this Christian over here. There's a tendency. And so this immature Christian is trying to grow, trying to do the right thing. He can't handle the harsh lecture from this older and mature Christian. He's telling the truth, but he is not able to handle the truth yet. Not even the disciples of Jesus could handle the truth about his death and resurrection in the early parts of Jesus' ministry with them. I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. So even the Lord had consideration for the maturity level and the feelings of the, the disciples. Don't you think you and I should also have consideration for other people's feelings? And not just come down so hard on them all the time? Now, I got more to say about that, so don't look at me funny like, wait a minute, are you saying, I'm not saying that, so don't think that. Whatever you're thinking is wrong. <laughs> I'm woke. <laughs> All right, where am I? All right, uh, okay, so uh, some things to think about when it comes to offending people. Uh, first, let me just read the verse too, because I have a few more things to say. It's going to take me some time. I want to get to the verses quickly, but I'm going to just say, First Corinthians 10, 23, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. First Corinthians 10, 23. That verse is saying, whatever is right for me to do, it's okay to do as a Christian, but it doesn't edify somebody else, so I don't do it. I don't do it. Romans 14, 19 again. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. One more verse about this and we'll move on to the next truth. 
Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So, offending people a lot of times, the younger ones or the more uh, less mature ones, is because of what we say to them and how we say things to them. Truth is the truth. Truth should always be told. We'll get to that. But sometimes it's how we said makes people who are not so strong in the faith get offended and get kind of like bothered by it. All right. So now you can say, well, they shouldn't be bothered by that. Truth is the truth. That is true. However, when you let me let me put it in perspective, truth is the truth, and it doesn't make a difference how you say the truth. Do you think that is also a good thing? How you say the truth? Or should you just tell the awful truth because it's the truth? You're going to be a John the Baptist, are you? Go to your dentist. Dentist says, all right, time for your exam. You haven't had a dental appointment for six years. You know that's a bad thing. Six years, no dental appointment. You go to the dentist. You look at his mouth. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, well, take some x-rays. New time. First page. Take an x-ray. And he sees all these things in your mouth by the x-ray. Now, here's what happens. He'll explain the x-ray to you. He'll show it to you. He'll prove to you that, okay, you got cavity here, cavity here, cavity here. Looks like the moon. All these holes here. It looks like the moon. Okay, we're going to have to arrange another appointment and uh, do some um, some serious uh, work in your mouth. It might take us six visits to get this thing done. Now, what if he said this to you? You're really a bad person. Know that? Cool. That Dennis said, you're bad. What do you mean, Dennis? Look at your teeth. You haven't taken care of your teeth for six years. What's wrong with you? What kind of a man are you? What kind of a human are you? He says, this is, the, the, and he tells the awful truth about that. Now, he's telling the truth, but he's not going to tell that to you because he doesn't want to offend you. He'd rather treat you properly so that by the time he's done, you're happy, your teeth are all fixed, whatever. He'll say something like this. All right, now, this here means this. Now, if, if we don't treat this, this is what could happen. He lets you think about it. He lets you see what he sees. He lets you understand what you understand. Now, this one over here, you see that right there? Okay, now, uh, if we let this go on without treating it, it's going to get to your root. And when it gets to that point, it's really it's bad now, but it's going to get worse. So I, I'm going to suggest to you, Mr. Patient, that we take up this as soon as possible. Now, this one over here, okay, now this one, uh, it's about to fall out of your head. And um, uh, we can do A, B, C, D, but uh, if this one is the worst of all, I'll, I'll just tell you, if we do anything, we should work on this one first. Uh, you'll have less pain, and uh, you'll have more comfort, da, da, da. And he tries to explain to you, and uh, which would you rather have him say to you? The awful honest truth, you're a horrible person, we'll pull everything out, you won't have gums, uh, anything but gums left, pull everything out, you have to eat mush the rest of your life. Well, that might be all true, but he's not going to tell you that. He's going to tell you a softer way, a more kinder way to get the work done that you need to have done. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about holding back on the truth, to be a compromiser. He is saying, though, when you tell the truth, you do speak the truth in love, as Ephesians says. You do tell the truth with compassion and kindness and so on, in consideration of this person's maturity level. That's what he's talking about. Uh, everybody follow so far? Amen. Okay. Now, having said all of that, sometimes you should not be afraid of offense. Or offending someone. Let's look at a couple of verses, a couple of examples about there's a time when the offense is a good thing. What? There's a time when offense is a good thing. Or said another way, there's a time when being offended is a good thing. Or said another way, a third way, there's a time to offend. There's a time to offend. Okay? Alright, let's go to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, three references in 10 minutes. Matthew 15. Sometimes not offending is wrong. Sometimes being offended is good for you. Matthew 15, look at verse number 1. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were at Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? 
You know what the Lord has done here? <laughs> they, they ask a question in a smart aleck way, and the Lord responds in a smart aleck way. Now, we think a smart aleck way is just being mean, but the Lord answers with a question. Well, why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Verse 4, for God commanded, and he gives reason, for God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, then die to death. But you say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by what servant thou mightest be profited by me, be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now he says verse number seven, something to really offend them. Ye hypocrites. Ye hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain did you worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. And he called them all through and so on. Now, you know what? He said something truthful to them, and they were offended. Jesus was not wrong to tell them the truth, but they were offended. Look at verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended? The Pharisees were offended by what he just said to them. The Pharisees are offended. Don't you know the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. Leave them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. Well, uh, strong words, don't you think? But he said, they got offended. He says, okay, that's okay. That's okay, they're blind. Now, what you learn is that sometimes being offended is because the truth was said and it offended them. Truth sometimes offends. Sometimes truth hurts people's feelings. Now, look at chapter 17 of Matthew, chapter 17, and come to verse number 27, uh, 24. 17, 24. Here's a case in which you do something, though you don't agree to the thing, but you do it to not offend someone. Watch carefully. This is about doing something, not because you think you should, but you do it because you don't, it, it, it will not offend someone, uh, or it will offend someone if you don't do something that you disagree with. Let me rephrase it again. This is about doing something you don't want to do because you don't believe in it, but you do it anyway because if you don't, it'll offend somebody. Okay, watch carefully, verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, and uh, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? What's another word for tribute? Taxes. Pay taxes. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Taxes. All right. Doth not your master pay taxes? Verse 25. He said, Yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him and saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are ye then are the children free. Verse 27. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast a hook. Imagine this in your mind. Go to the sea, cast a hook. Take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. No kidding. That take and give unto them for me and thee. What is he saying? He's saying, okay, look at this coin. Whose inscription is this? Caesar's or what? Caesar's. Okay, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. The, the tax, the tribute money, he says, you may not think you should owe Rome anything because you're not a Roman citizen. You just live here. You're a Christian living in this territory. Uh, they're over you in authority-wise, government-wise. He says, you don't have to pay taxes, but look, lest you offend them, pay the tax. Go get a fish, a hook, get, catch a fish, and there's a money in the fish's mouth. How miraculous is that? Take that and give it and pay your tax. So he's saying, do something you don't want to do. Do it for the sake of the people who receive it, the government, that they don't be offended. Why let them get upset with you because you refuse to pay the tax? And that's what that's about. So don't offend them. Pay the tax. Have peace. Let them look at you and say, okay, well, these we're not great their Christianity, but at least they pay the taxes. At least they're law-abiding citizens kind of thing. There's a time to do something for the sake of the other person. Don't offend that person. In this case, the government. Well, you can go real far with that one, but we won't. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. 
Now, Matthew also records this account about the parables of the sower and the seed. We'll take a minute to look at this parable and look at the offense, the offense that can happen. Mark chapter 4. Now, parables are sometimes a little bit confusing, and you can come up with all kinds of interpretations. Often, Jesus gave interpretations to his own parables so that there's no guessing. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea uh, on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, verse 3, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. Picture in your mind a sower sowing seed, casting seed, broadcasting seed, reaching into the bag and scattering the seed. Verse 4, And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the, number one, wayside. Number Verse 5, And some fell upon stony ground. Verse 6, When the sun dried, uh, was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7, and some fell among thorns. So, so far you have different kinds of ground, different kinds of soil. So in the seed, same, same seed, number 1, verse 4, some seed fell by the wayside, verse 5, number 2, and some fell by stony ground. And now verse number 7, the third condition, some fell among thorns, and then... Um, you have that here. Now look at verse number 7 again. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded enough fruit. And then verse 8, some fell on good ground. So four kinds of soil that the seed fell on. Now, what is the interpretation? He will tell you. He will tell you. For the first one, in verse number 4, the wayside, that's in verses 14 and 15. The source sowed the word. Verse 15, these are they that by the wayside, where the word is sown, and when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Alright, so that's the first interpretation, the first kind of seed that was for, sown on the on the wayside. The devil came and took it away. Now, the second one, stony ground, is for, interpreted in verses number 16 and 17. In verse 5, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root it withered away so interpretation verses 16 and 17 here he says and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word immediately receive the gladness watch carefully verse 17 and had no root in themselves and so endured but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are, what happened to them? Offended. They are offended. Now, here's people who are offended because, it tells you what they're offended about, because of persecution and affliction. So the offense here comes because people are living the Christian life. However, when they have some opposition to what they believe, they are offended and they back away. You don't really believe that, do you? Well, that's what the Bible says. Are you, you, really, you believe that old book? Nobody believes that anymore. Well, I, no, I think a man should marry a woman. Well, that's so old-fashioned. Don't you know everything are different nowadays? This is 2023, brother. Come on, get with it. Oh, they're offended. What? You don't drink? You don't drink? Why don't you drink? It's just a social drink. It's just, you know, celebration kind of thing. Uh, I'm about to temple Holy Spirit. You believe that? You believe that? They get offended. And they back off. And many other issues you can apply to this. The the, the fact is, people who uh, are like this seed sown on stony ground, they believe it until there's opposition. They're offended, now they back away. This is really how it works out, where people believe in Christ, but then when somebody opposes them, they feel, they feel the pressure, the intimidation, the peer pressure is what it's called. Adults have a lot of peer pressure and they just kind of just shh, don't say anything because I might offend them. And the Christian is offended because people are against him and it causes him to back away from following Christ. Uh, this is stumbling. Uh, this is being offended. And so you should be a little bit more strong, have a little bit more spiritual backbone to realize this is how it is in this world. When you, when you walk 
with Christ and with the Lord many times is considered to be the narrow way and the broad way the opposite side is where people are doing their own thing and it's the popular way and you seem like to be just a, a real man you are a party pooper well you just don't have any fun doing your life you just you just are so what are you anyway are you a nun what are you are you a, a priest what are you anyway you, you just don't enjoy your life do you you just come on get with it be in modern times come on be, be with one of us be our friend be with our group and whatever like that there's a lot of pressure here and so that person is offended because of the word of god can i tell you something kindly uh, so i don't offend you it's easy to be a christian in church it's really easy to just agree with things in church because you're among people who agree but when you're on the outside of church and you're among people who don't agree with you and you know something is wrong and you have an opportunity to just be a good testament for Christ there's a real pressure to to not be a Christian in practice now you're a Christian no matter what you do you're saved no matter what you do or don't do but to have a testament to represent Christ it's a different story now we get kind of afraid to offend people around us because if we take a position or stand against something that we know they are for, it kind of makes us you know, kind of hesitant to take a stand for things. Now, every year there's a gay pride march down in Waikiki every year, um, all these kind of things. You know, some people go down there and protest, okay, up to them. But um, if somebody came to you and tried to, somebody came to try to make you say this is great, but you know it's not great, you know it's immoral, you know it's wrong, you know it's perversion, and, and you know that from the Bible, but they're pressuring you to accept it. Well, that's a point in which you can say, I, I need to just stand, be right, stand by the Bible, not offend unnecessarily, not be cruel unnecessarily, but not compromise what I know is true. Okay? Um, I got a phone call. Actually, it was, a, it was an email to the church website not long ago, and it was from a father who wanted me to perform a ceremony for their daughter coming to Hawaii next month to marry them. Well, I don't know who they are. And this is a small example about uh, how things can, can turn the wrong way and how people can be offended. So I, re I replied a little bit and I said, well, uh, thanks for your request. And uh, let's thought, what's a good time to call you back? So finally, I called the number a couple of days after and uh, a lady called back from that number. It was the daughter who I was, she wanted me, you know, but it was the daughter. Uh, she's just 22 and so she called said uh, somebody called this number I said oh it's me Pastor Ching and I replied to your your father and his name is something and so anyway we was talking oh you're the girl that uh, your dad is talking about coming to Hawaii to get married yeah yeah I said well that's interesting I said uh, well I was gonna call your dad and ask what's going on get some details to see what the situation was and things like that you know getting married is a serious thing and so you just don't want to, we, we who are, quote, ministers, don't want to just marry anybody because they ask you to. They might throw $500 at you, but that doesn't mean you're going to marry them. And so um, they're going to come to Hawaii. Um, so ask some questions. Here's the question I asked you. Would you like to know what I asked them? It was just basic question. How old are you? How old is your fiance? Okay. Uh, how long have you known each other? Okay. Uh, are you a Christian? Uh, I think I am. Is your fiance a Christian? Um, not yet, but I think it's going to become one. Not yet, but I think it's going to become one. I said, well, what church do you go to? Okay. Well, we haven't gone for a long time because of COVID. I said, well, I understand that. because of COVID. Yeah, sure, sure, no problem. But I said, uh, okay, now, COVID's over, isn't it? Are you free to go to church in the state that you're in? Yeah. Uh, but we got so busy, we, we, we don't go to church. I said, oh, well, that's interesting. I said, uh, you know that it's a spiritual thing to get married besides, you know, a desire to be with the one you love every day and so on, so on, so on. I said, the spiritual aspect is very important, too. And, uh, well, uh, what's the name of your church? What's the name of your pastor? Okay. Uh, now, have you folks talked to him about this? Uh, is, your, is your fiance a Christian? Not yet. Well, but um, we were going to talk to the pastor about that. Uh, okay, you haven't done that yet? No, not yet. Not since COVID. Uh, but COVID's over, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Um, has, he, has he initiated some desire to go and talk to the pastor about being a Christian? No, he hasn't. We've been so busy. And I said, let me ask you this. Have you made reservations already for a place or a hotel in Hawaii? Yes, we have, because I got the date. I got the date, so they made reservations already. 
You got your tickets all set up? Is that right? Okay, so you made a reservation for something that's important to you. Yes, you did. So I'm thinking now, it's important that your husband is a safe, your future husband is a safe guy, right? Yeah. But I don't see how this is important because you made a reservation for a flight, hotel, date and everything, but salvation is not important to you. It appears. I hope I'm wrong. Well, we just haven't had time to do that. I said, well, let me kind of tell you, and here's what I said to her. I said, let me kind of tell you, uh, I would not marry you on that basis because, because I would not want to be responsible in some way of performing a ceremony between a person who's a Christian and a person not a Christian. I said, I can't do that. I said, what you need to do is you need to go talk to your pastor in that town. He needs to go to talk to him about his salvation, first of all. I said, that's the first thing you got to do. And I said, call me back or have, have uh, your dad come back. I got to call back. So what I was trying to say was, uh, I think she got offended. She got offended. I got another call years ago about me doing a ceremony for somebody uh, from K-Bay. I asked some questions. Uh, What's the reception going to be like? Oh, we're going to do this, you know, and uh, who, who's taking care of it? Oh, we are, and uh, we're going to have uh, beer and this and alcohol. And I said, well, um, same kind of questions. And I said, I'm sorry, I could not do that. I said, there's plenty of others who might want to do that, but I, I don't think I could participate in something where that'll be there. I said, I don't think, I, my conscience doesn't let me do that. I think that'd be wrong for me to do. And they said, well, okay, we'll call somebody else. I said, well, uh, sure, I think you should because it would be wrong for me to do that. I would violate my conscience about something like that. And so sometimes people get offended because you, you stand for what is right and they don't understand that. And so I hope that this, this young lady and her, her um, fiance will, I hope he will get saved and I hope she will begin to understand the seriousness of getting married and not just get married because it's romantic to be in Hawaii have a sermon on the beach. You know, they have this in mind, which I understand, but there's, there's a little bit more to it than that, don't you think, than just the setting? Just the beach, the sunshine, sunset kind of, there's more to it than that. So, uh, let me give you one verse that we're done for the lesson today about offending people. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'd like you to see this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. End of this chapter, Paul has talked about, ironically, about how to treat women, marriage, important relationship things in this chapter. And then he closes it by saying in verse number 35, Close to, close to end this chapter, this 40 verses. Verse number 35, he says this. And this I speak, everything up to this point, up to verse 34, and this I speak for your own profit. Not that I may cast a snare upon you. Not so I can hinder your happiness or ruin your fun. No. Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is coming, something is good. My, my, my purpose of telling what I've taught you, he says, was not to offend you, but to give you the truth so you can be happy. But for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. So he says, I'm advising you these things, he says, not so I can be a stick in the mud, but to be a blessing to you so that you know the truth, you practice the truth, and that you'll have a fulfilled life that God intends for you to have. Not to offend you, but to be a blessing to you. So don't offend the weaker brother. Don't offend the weaker brother. Be careful about telling the truth. And while you do that, don't be afraid of being offended or people being offended at you because you stand by the truth. One last story, and I'll have to stop. There's people in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Stephen Anderson is his name. Uh, Word of Truth, Word of Life, or something, Baptist, Independent Baptist Church. Yeah. But he is very offensive because uh, he, he goes overboard and he's online, he's very prominent, he has quite a following, Stephen Anderson does. I'll probably get somebody writing me an email because he probably heard this, or some of his followers. I get calls in all the time, or sometimes, asking me about questions, you know, see if I agree with them. Well, there's a lot of things I don't agree about with them, but they're independent Baptists. Stephen Anderson, he is very vulgar in the pulpit and toward people. And there is a, there is a harshness to him how he talks to people, how he deals with people. He thinks if you he offends people, he's being a servant of God. I see a contrary teaching in the Bible. I see being firm, 
but having a lot of grace, being merciful. I see being firm, but not offending people unnecessarily. But there's only one way for some people, and I mention the name because I don't want you to bind to what he teaches and be like him. Uh, there are people that have come to white like him, and they have come here and they've left and all that, but uh, they've tried to make us conform to how they believe in, in Phoenix, Arizona. They're not going to do that because we don't believe that it's right. And yet people are saying they stand by the Bible. You've got to be cautious about things. And that's why you need to ask questions. You need to not swallow everything that you hear and not uh, eat everything that is offered to you, even in the name of independent Baptists. Okay? So offense, offending people. Be careful about that. There's a time place for everything under the sun, okay? Are any questions? I do have an answer, okay? All right, we'll stop for now.